The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. Let's start with an admission. All of us have good intentions to read more of the Bible. There's so much value and blessing when we study God's Word, but life doesn't always give us the amount of quiet time that we'd like to have. So it's a revelation to most Christians when they discover that the Jewish people have a brilliant, simple plan to study the key Bible teachings every week of the year. The first five books of the Bible are known in Hebrew as the Torah. These are the five books of the law from Moses. In all the Jewish world, these five books, known to Christians as Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, are divided by the Jews neatly into 54 portions that are read weekly. In the course of a year, the entire Torah is recited in the synagogues. The same Torah portions are repeated annually, and this is a simple way of learning the foundations of the Bible year after year. But unfortunately, sadly, the majority of Christians in our traditional and mainstream churches haven't got a clue as to what a Torah portion is. Although Christianity owes its very existence to the Jews and their Messiah. When most Christians hear the word Torah, they are often turned off because they think the word is synonymous with so-called Phariseeism or rigid legalism. But actually, the word Torah, often translated law, simply means teaching or instruction. And we all need God's teachings and instructions. We all need God's Torah in an increasingly lawless age. Hello, I'm Christine Dark. One of the activities that I enjoy is going to a rabbi's house in Jerusalem on the Sabbath to listen to the Jewish people discussing the Torah portion of the week while enjoying a Sabbath meal. The rabbi calls upon people sitting at the various dinner tables to give a short commentary concerning that week's Torah portion. Every Jewish adult should be able to give an extemporaneously teaching on any Torah portion. It's an ongoing adventure to dig into the portions and see how they might apply at various levels and stages of a person's life. And I often wonder how many Christians could apply the scripture this way so spontaneously. The stories in the Torah are pictures and parables that serve as examples that were written down for our instruction and understanding of God's Word. I want to share with you some spiritual insights that come out of the Torah portions and Remember, these scripture verses are read systematically by the Jewish people around the world each week in synagogues, and amazingly, the content often dovetails with current events. According to religious Jews, Torah study is regarded as the most important of all the commandments. Study of the Torah is a specific commandment, in fact, in Deuteronomy 6-7, which the Jews recite daily in the Shema. They're told in the Torah, in Deuteronomy, you shall teach diligently 
this law to your children, which means to transmit the Bible to the next generation. And you shall speak of the words of the Torah while you sit at home, while you walk on the way, when you go to bed, and when you rise up. Well, one of my favorite Christian Bible teachers, Pastor Thurman Scribner, who lives in Texas, is not a Hebrew root scholar. He teaches most of the time on healing and salvation. However, his personal revival began in his adult life when he heard the audible voice of God commanding him to read Deuteronomy chapter 6 and commanding him to teach the principles of the Bible, of the Torah, to his children. You see, God is very serious about Jews and Gentiles knowing the principles laid down in the Torah, the foundational books of the Bible. You see, the reason why society is so lawless is because the Ten Commandments and the Bible have been removed from our schools and most of the media and out of our daily lives. We've become so secular. When it's suggested that you learn Torah, it doesn't mean that you're to be Judaized. It means that you're to understand God's foundational precepts, the meaning between right and wrong. You see, many of the creation science teachers that God has brought to prominence spend a lot of time teaching from the book of Genesis because without a basic foundation, the gospel itself can't be properly understood. The first blessing that a newborn Jewish child receives is, may he grow up to Torah, to the wedding canopy, and to good deeds. And the Jewish prayer book is filled with petitions to God to be able to understand his instructions. The famous Rebbe Akiva in the Talmud stated that to expect a Jewish person to live without Torah is like a fish trying to live without water. So we bless the Jewish people because they've been guardians of God's oracles and the Jews have faithfully preserved this word of God. Torah study reveals the very mind of God. It also contains deep hidden Bible codes, some of the deepest secrets of the universe. But it also contains clearly evident messianic prophecies as embodied, for example, in Genesis and the life of Joseph, who was the type of Messiah. The gospel can clearly be seen as you delve into all the foundational first five books of Moses. And if you're an evangelical Christian, no doubt, you've probably heard of the Roman road. That's a method of presenting the gospel with various verses from the Apostle Paul's epistle to the Romans. But did you know that the Romans road is a summary of the Genesis road? You see, in the first Torah portion, Bereshit, in the beginning, the commandment and blessing of eternal life is given in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. The great commission of Jesus is also reflected in Genesis 1, 28. That is, to have the fruits of obedience, to be filled with the fruit of the Spirit, to multiply, to make disciples, to fill the earth with the knowledge of God's Messiah, to subdue the earth and teach all living creatures to obey gospel Torah precepts. 
In fact, the promised seed of the new covenant, the Messiah, who keeps the law for us, is revealed very early on in Genesis 3.15. Let me read that verse. Here, God is speaking to the serpent, to Satan. And it says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, but you will strike his heel. This verse is the foreshadowing of the virgin birth and what happened on the cross. Messiah is the seed of the woman who crushed the head of the serpent, Satan, in the Garden of Eden and at the cross, although, of course, Satan would bruise Messiah's heel and so forth. From ancient times, there's been a weekly portion in Hebrew called a parshat from the first five books of Moses. And there's been a portion called the Haftorah reading from the prophets. To me, it's endlessly fascinating that each Torah portion is given a Hebrew name derived from the opening words of the passages. For example, as I've already mentioned, the first Torah portion from the book of Genesis is called Bereshit, meaning in the beginning, from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Other portion names, for example, are Noah, meaning Noah, who built the ark to save mankind from the flood. Next is the portion called Lech Lecha, meaning go forth. And then as we move on, there are names such as Shimon, meaning names from the book of Exodus. There's the simple portion called Bo, meaning come or enter, and so forth. Interestingly, this practice of reading certain portions from the Torah and from the Hebrew prophets is actually illustrated in Jewish life in the Gospels, in Luke chapter 4. Here Jesus and Yeshua is his Hebrew name, visited his synagogue in Nazareth, as was his custom, and he was handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened and found the place, it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then Jesus closed the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And every eye in the synagogue was fixed on him. Then Jesus plainly told them something mind-boggling. He had the chutzpah, the audacity, and the anointing to say, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And by the way, Bible scholars often explain that Jesus didn't continue to read the prophecy that he was reading from what we call Isaiah 61, because the subsequent verses spoke of the day of vengeance of our God, which is an end-time verse. So Jesus rightly divided God's word, and he only read the verses that were pertinent to the fulfillment of his lifetime 
concerning his mission to preach deliverance to the captives and to open the eyes of the blind. The remainder of the passage will be fulfilled at the time of his second coming. Those remaining verses from Isaiah 61 speak of consoling those who mourn in Zion to give them beauty for the ashes of the Holocaust and all that they have suffered, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, and the restored Israelis, that passage says in the last days, will rebuild as they're doing the old ruins. They'll raise up the former desolations. They'll repair the ruined cities upon their return. The desolations of many generations. And so we've been an eyewitness to these things that are happening now. And believers with biblical insight love how active and alive the Torah is in light of our current events. I've found that in studying and reviewing these weekly synagogue readings, they're often pertinent to prayer issues involving the restoration of the Jewish people and the spiritual warfare surrounding the nation of Israel. It's no coincidence, but surely it's a God incident. For example, when the Torah portion mentions Israel's biblical borders, usually there's some challenge by Israel's enemies to her borders. And here's an example of the continued relevance of the Torah and Haftarah readings from the prophets to current events. Because recently, during the Feast of Tabernacles, the reading from the prophets was very vital prophetic information. Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39. These passages refer to the upcoming so-called Ezekiel War that describes a northern confederacy that will invade the Holy Land in the last days. It describes a military alliance that will come up against Israel. Ezekiel 39 prophesies that invading army will enter from the north and fall upon the mountains of Israel. The phrase, the mountains of Israel, always refers in particular to the area called Judea and Samaria. You need to know that biblical Judea and Samaria is the very heartland associated with Abraham and his descendants, Isaac and Jacob. But the same area was captured by Israel from the Jordanians in 1967 when an Arab assault came against the Jewish state. But the Jews won in the lightning six-day war. And it's now these very same mountains of Israel which the United Nations wants to turn into a hostile Islamic Palestinian state. So the pressure is on and God is watching closely. Ezekiel 38 and 39 says that God enters the battle big time. Recently, the United Nations allowed a so-called Palestinian state flag to be raised at UN headquarters in New York. But just whose land is the mountains of Israel? God's name is engraved in these very mountains in more than one place. And he says it's his land, but he gives it to Abraham's descendants through Isaac, not through Ishmael. But God loves Ishmael, and he's given plenty of other land to Ishmael's descendants. 
According to the Ezekiel passage that was recently read in the synagogues, it's this specific area, the mountains of Israel, which in the latter days will be invaded by a northern military coalition led by a spiritual prince called Gog. And Ezekiel 38 verse 5 lists the invading coalition. Rosh, Meshach, Tubal, Togarmath, Gomer. These are Russian and Turkish territorial ancient names. And they'll be allied with Persia, which is, of course, modern-day Iran. Also listed as Kush, possibly referring to Ethiopia or Sudan, and Put, an area of North Africa, such as Libya, west of Egypt. Now, according to Ezekiel 38 and 39, this confederation is defeated supernaturally by God, and all of the world will witness it. So the reading of this passage that we've just passed through in Israel was a rehearsal of sorts. In fact, we've just passed through the annual cycle of all the Torah readings, concluding at the end of the Feast of Tabernacles, when the last Torah portion of the Hebrew calendar year was read. And now the new cycle of reading all the Torah portions all over has begun at the time of the taping of this program. How wonderful it is to read the Bible in tandem with the Jewish people. The Jewish holiday after Sukkot called Sivchat Torah, meaning rejoicing with the Torah, is the joyous day when once a year the weekly readings culminate and end. At that time, the Jews read the year's final portion called Vezot HaBerakah, meaning, and this is the blessing. The last two chapters of Moses in the book of Deuteronomy are read. Then the scroll is rewound back to Bereshit, good old Genesis chapter 1 in the beginning. On Sifah Torah, there's great rejoicing and dancing with the Torah scrolls. In Israel, Jews even dance in the streets where their scrolls on the way down to the Western Wall Plaza. Then the cycle starts all over again. So an elderly Jewish person will have studied the Torah through his lifetime about 70 times. The closing Haftorah portion is the narrative after the death of Moses in the first chapter of the book of Joshua, Moses' successor. It admonishes in Joshua chapter 1, be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law or instruction, literally the Torah, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law, Torah, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Not just ordinary, regular success, but good success. The Lord says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. 
For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Hallelujah. Well, according to the Young's Concordance, the word Torah, as I said, means just teaching. And as I stated earlier, unfortunately, for many evangelical believers, the law or Torah have become negative expressions. But we have to realize that the Torah speaks continually about Jesus, the Messiah. We're not talking about legalism. If we want to know the history of Jesus, we must know the first five books of Moses. Truly, the first five books of the Bible are an essential foundational part of the scriptures which testify concerning Jesus. You see, please don't forget that the very day of the Lord's resurrection, the Gospel of Luke tells us that beginning at Moses, that's the Torah, Jesus expounded to his disciples all the things in the scriptures concerning himself. He was teaching about himself and the kingdom of God directly from the Torah and the prophets. For example, in Luke 24, the resurrected Jesus declared, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the Torah of Moses concerning me. And then he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. So the good news is simply this. Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. You see in the Torah, in the book of Genesis and Leviticus, the scriptures teach that sin is put away by blood. The gospel says that Jesus volunteered to shed his pure, sinless, holy blood for us. He died, was buried, and was raised from the dead according to the scriptures. So do you know the foundational scriptures? Have you put your trust in God's Messiah, the Savior, the Lamb of God, Jesus, who is the Word of God? Settle it in your heart today. Well, I'm so very grateful to my friends Martin and Norma Sarvis who emailed a weekly prayer alert in Jerusalem concerning the Torah portions. And I share their prayer alerts at our website every week, exploits.tv. Recently, they wrote that the Hebrew letters for the new Hebrew year, 5776, spell a word that means to take heed, to take note. And shouldn't we take heed and notice how in the very same week that Israeli Jews were reading in their synagogues of a future alliance of powers coming from the north. Russia sealed a pact with the Alatolias of Iran and the president of Syria. Russia moved troops, aircraft, and military hardware into northern Syria. This is an invasion just as prophesied, along with inviting Iranian troops to join them there. Meanwhile, in Turkey, the Islamist president, Recep Erdogan, warned Israel that the Jewish state is playing with fire concerning the Temple Mount. He made many threats, and although Muslim agitators keep the situation stirred up, Turkey's president accused Israel of crimes against the entire Islamic world on the Temple Mount. But believe me, Israel is just trying to keep the peace. But there have been repeated violent disturbances by radicals on the mount 
since the beginning of the fall Jewish festivals, including attacks upon visitors and the stockpiling of weapons. Israeli police uncovered pipe bombs in the mosque situated on the Temple Mount. Any attempts by Israel to control the agitators has been met with angry accusations and warnings from leaders of Muslim countries around the world. Erdogan incited the situation further by saying the struggle over the mosque doesn't belong just to Muslims but also to Christians. So he's falsely trying to portray Israel as the violator of both Muslim and Christian interests in the Holy Land. You see, we as intercessors must be awakened and alert to the fact that the Ezekiel 38 and 39 powers are beginning to align themselves and flex their muscles. We must stay alert and know where our place as watchmen is upon the walls. More than ever, we are admonished in Psalm 122.6 to pray for the peace of Jerusalem until, as Isaiah 62.1 prophesies, Jerusalem's righteousness goes forth like brightness and her salvation like a flaming torch. Well, I must draw this to a conclusion, and as I said, I've observed for years how the Torah portion has been shown to be relevant to current events in Israel. And now Christians are beginning to study the Torah portions with the Jews each week. This is a phenomenon that's bringing Jews and Christians together. So to review, Torah portions are read publicly and aloud by a designated reader in Jewish prayer services, usually in full during the Sabbath morning service, and in part during the Sabbath afternoon and Monday and Thursday morning services, except when preempted by a religious holiday. There are 54 such parashot or parshas portions, and the full cycle is read over the course of a Jewish year. Each weekly Torah portion takes its name from the first or more our most distinctive word in the Hebrew text of the portion. Pentateuch is a Greek word used in Christianity, meaning the five volumes, the five books of Moses. There are some Christian denominations that have a similar fixed liturgy of scripture verses that they read through the year, but a systematic study of God's word is something that should be individual and family-oriented as well. The Anglican Church, for example, has a lectionary based upon this Jewish idea of the Torah portions. God knows everything about you, so shouldn't we take the time to get to know Him better? I hope so. So you can find the Torah portions at our website, or you can Google it. But be sure to visit our website regularly to learn more about Torah portions and prophetic events. There you can also read about our news and developments that you might not find in the secular media. I also invite you to watch our other video teachings that are available anytime online at our website at exploits.tv where you can also click online to receive our magazine exploits electronically. And you can also learn about our prayer convocations in the Holy Land. And please connect with us on the social media. 
You can learn about our upcoming convocations being planned in Jerusalem, the city of the great king. And so until next time, contending for the faith and praying always for the peace of Jerusalem, I'm Christine Dark. Shalom.